When you get to a place where you're ready to care about your health, sometimes it can be really, really overwhelming. Like, where should you start? There's a lot of different messages out there in the world. But like, if you could only do one thing, because let's face it, we're not going to become a completely different person. We can only do one thing at a time. What should that one thing be? What's that first step? So today on the podcast, we're going to help you figure out that first step. Whether you're just starting out or maybe you've made some progress and you're wondering what is next. This is Who Cares About Men's Health. Uh, we give you information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. We're just some guys trying to figure it out on our own as well. So uh, we have these conversations about health, hoping that they will be valuable to you as well. So my name is Scott Singpil. I bring the BS, the MD to my BS, Dr. Troy Madsen. Hey, Scott, I'm here and I'm ready to talk about that one thing. All right. We're calling it the hierarchy of health. And also always sharing his experience, Mitch Sears. Welcome. Hey, yeah. One thing. That's, oh. we, okay. All right. Okay. I'm here. Well, one thing starting point yeah okay all right point. starting point okay it should probably is not going to be your only thing but it's going to sure. be your first thing right sure okay all right so i want to kind of be clear on this and we want to be clear as we're talking about it because one of the things we really like try to try to do here is talk about stuff we know like evidence-based this is based on research this is information we know but then also we talk about our own experiences and how that manifests in the real world so we're going to try to be sure that we're indicating what is what when Dr. Madsen goes through this hierarchy of health with us. And another thing that I think it's important to point out too, that we've discovered through the process of this podcast is when we talk about health on this show, we're talking about it in terms of reducing a chance of disease, living a longer and more satisfying life, and just generally feeling better. It's not becoming more athletic or more ripped or building muscle or losing fat for aesthetic purposes, although that could be a side effect, but it's more sure. about just being healthier. So Dr. Madsen, I'm going to throw out the things that we're going to talk about today, and I want okay. you to rank these in the most important order, and then we're going to talk about that a little bit. So first of all, one of the things we talk about is the core four. If you kind of focus on these things, it can go a long way, and that's your emotional health, your nutrition, your activity, and your sleep. And then we haven't talked about this a lot, but really we should. Other things that men tend to do that might not be healthy that you might want to evaluate, such as smoking, alcohol use nagging health issues and genetics. So we're going to rank those. Do you have any to add to that list, Dr. Madsen? Just I do. Yes, yes, you do. Oh, yes. so there's another one. Okay. There's another one. Yep. And where does it fall in the in the hierarchy? Is it is it towards the top? It's about halfway down. About halfway in. Oh. Yes. Any idea what that might be, Mitch? No, I have no idea. Like I'm sitting here I'm like I that's it, right? Those are the eight things I need to be worried about. And now this it's list like is so uh, comprehensive. I know. The ninth one. Yeah. There's, there's, I'm going to I'm going to make it 9. We're going to make it okay. 9. Well, what's awesome about this list is it really does kind of help narrow down like what is the first thing you should do. So without any further ado, Dr. Madsen, uh, our hierarchy of health, if you want to take that first step to a healthier lifestyle and you're at, at square zero, what's the first thing? What's, what would be the biggest impact for your dollar? Okay. I know what you think it's going to be and it's not going to be that. Smoking. Nope, not smoking. Oh, I'm going to say the number one thing. So let's say your total couch potato, you don't do anything. Your diet is horrible. Let's say you smoke, you drink a lot of alcohol, you know nothing about your genetics. You have all kinds of nagging health issues. The number one thing I would say that will have the biggest impact on your health that is the most practical thing to do is activity. Really? Okay. That's where all I right. would start. That's where I would start. And I'll tell you why, Scott. There was a study that came out recently, evidence-based. This looked at exactly those people. And it compared people who did nothing to people who had minimal activity, short bursts of energy, two minutes long, maybe three times a day. 
you know, just taking the stairs instead of the elevator, shoveling snow, things like this, not big activity. They found that people who engaged in these short bursts of activity had a 50% reduction in heart disease and cancer risk over about seven years. Wow. Fascinating. I know. Major impact. Because we're not even talking like the 30 minutes, three times a week of no. activity. We're talking just like we're talking minutes? just like, like what do you take think? the stairs. That's wow. all it was. So that's why I say that's your starting point. If you do nothing else, take the stairs, shovel the snow, you know, do something to get your heart rate up for two minutes, three times a day. Huh. That alone will have a dramatic impact. Fascinating more, study. Really well done study. And just so, to be clear, more impact than quitting smoking. Like if, I, if anything else is equal. I'm going to say yes. Okay. Uh, the, the Quitting smoking is absolutely going to reduce your cancer risk. I can't say for sure that in seven years, it will reduce your cancer risk by 50%. Maybe we'll find something out there that suggests oh, that, yeah, fair. well, I'm looking at seven years. They were seeing this impact like seven years, not, not a long time down the road, uh, major impacts on health. And again, you're starting super low and just adding something to it, but just adding that little bit make a huge difference. So that's why I'm going to say activity over smoking because of the shorter term benefits they saw in a lot of this risk reduction. Wow. All right. And of course, we know activity has so many other impacts on the rest of our health, right? That activity exactly. can help us feel emotionally better too. It can help us yeah. sleep better. Or sometimes, yeah. I don't know if you're like me, but for me, if I get my activity in, I tend to find, and this is just me, that I will eat better. And I don't know why, yeah. but I'm more likely to make better choices when I eat. And so. that's and that's why I put activity at the top because I think a lot of these things follow when you get more active. Yeah. I think, you know, then you're going to be more motivated to quit smoking because then you can be more active. So I think it, it then kind of feeds into itself. So if I said start anywhere, just start with activity. And with the activity, start incredibly small. Just take the stairs. That's it. Just start moving a little bit more. Move a little uh, bit more. Yep. Okay. Try to walk around the block. That's right. Walk yeah. around the block. Yep. All right. And small add amounts of activity. Okay. All right. Well, that well, already I'm surprised, Mitch. I... <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do. We you aim to so surprise. Sure. We aim to surprise on this podcast. <laughs> All right. Hierarchy of health. First thing is activity, and that's just add in a limited amount of activity. Uh, what's the second thing then you might want to consider doing? Well, I got to have smoking here because you're okay. exactly right. right. Yeah. Smoking, huge health impact. If you can drop smoking, you know, your risk of cancer is going to drop, your your risk of lung disease, uh, all kinds of health issues. So I think next is, you know, and again, if you're starting to get active, I think it makes it easier to quit smoking just because it gives you a little extra motivation, probably improves your mental health, maybe makes moving away from smoking a little bit easier, but that would be next on the list. And Mitch, I don't want to speak for you, but maybe you oh, could but... jump in. Uh, <laughs> no, please not speak for me. Um, maybe you could jump in here. Yeah. So to me, one of the things I love about the fact that activity was the first thing suggested and that there was some research is showing that just even a small amount of activity, if you or if you're getting none, can make such a huge difference in your health. That sounds a lot more achievable than quitting smoking. Like, oh, yeah. No, yeah. like smoking, that's a that's like a I, major uh, thing. That's and why like, I start I get, with activity, too. Sorry, Mitch. Yeah, sure, no, go ahead. Yeah, that's why that's why I kind of put activity first, because I think that's it, it's like a, it's a win. Like, I got that. Like, I did it. I'm more active. OK, let's right. tackle smoking. 
So part of it is mental, like you get those little small wins. Yeah. Well, and having, I guess, both quit smoking and starting to do my my activity over on this podcast with both of them, like, uh, like training for the Who Cares 5K was like, it was work and it was a big shift in my life. But like, we're not we're not talking like an addictive substance that I needed like, you know, patches on my body and like sucking down chocolate cinnamon bears, etc. Like it was, I think it was with the biggest, I think for me, at least smoking was the like, kind of keystone that once I was able to pull that out, like, it was easier for me to get exercise because my lungs didn't hurt and it was easier to feel better. And it was, my sleep went better. Like it, it, it was, it was something that was really kind of holding me back with a lot. But at the same time, like if, if the activity really does give you that much more benefit, it was a whole lot easier for me to start being more active in my day to day than it was to quit smoking. Yeah. So, yeah. Not to say it's impossible. I don't want to sound like it, whatever. It's just, it's hard. It's really hard, especially if, you, if you've if you tried it before. And yeah, yeah, so. And let's take this moment to celebrate, Mitch. How long have you been cigarette-free? Oh my, the math, I think we're three. That's so incredible. Three years yeah. now? Yeah. Yeah. That's so awesome. So all you have to do is just think how long has the pandemic been going on? And then you right. just add about four months to that. I like, made it through. Like. Right before the pandemic. Yeah. Right. Um, Mitch, another question about smoking and activity for you. Um, did you find when you're trying to quit smoking that doing something like getting out and walking helped manage any of the addiction at all? Took your mind off it for like a couple of seconds? Because I can only imagine like you're constantly thinking, I want a cigarette. And you're constantly playing this game of how can I distract myself for yeah. five minutes to not wanting a cigarette? I mean, or did yeah. So in, in my case, one of the things that I did try doing is not only did I do the cessation aids, which are I highly recommend. Like if you tried quitting smoking before, it didn't quite work. Like talk with your doctor, get the patches, get the gum. Like it made it not that it's easy, but it made it for me, someone who had to had to do it seven, eight times to like actually stick to it. Like man, that stuff really, really helped. But yeah, no, there was something about during that time period, I started taking walks. Because for me, you know, when we talk about nicotine addiction, it is not just the cigarette, like we know the cigarette is bad, like we know it's bad for our health. But like, it was also a time to take a break from everything and go outside and sit for five, 10 minutes and then come back inside and just kind of reset. And when you suddenly lose that cigarette, like, you got to make sure you're still doing those types of things. So if that break from the everyday and if that getting outside, walking around a little bit is a part of why it's so hard to quit, I just started walking around the block. Um, this is before I started jogging. This is before I whatever, but like I would go out the front door. I would just do one lap, come back in and it, it helped a lot, actually, Ooh, right. surprisingly. Yeah. Incidentally, should be mentioned, um, people trying to quit and not being successful multiple times is the norm. Mm -hmm. if you're in that situation, you know, if it's been yeah, yeah. six times, try seven times, you know. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, the health hierarchy, Dr. Madsen, we've hit start with some activity. Then we've moved to uh, smoking, quitting it, or at least reducing maybe as a first step. So it's not quite mm -hmm. so overwhelming if you can just even reduce it. Uh, what's number three? So number three is going to be nutrition. And here we're just going to keep it really simple. Ideally, in terms of science, you're going to switch to where you're eating the Mediterranean diet. Lots of great science there. But let's just keep it really simple. And let's just say you look at your diet and you say, my diet is not good at all. Start with just stop 
drinking soda. That would be my number one recommendation on diet. And in terms of evidence, tons of evidence showing you reduce that sugar intake, just so much sugar in sodas, you're going to see big benefits very shortly in terms of weight loss. And certainly in the long term, in terms of cancer risk, risk of heart disease, those things. It's also like a lot of sugar in your body is not good for your organs, from what I understand. Yeah, exactly. This is really hard on them. It's like this sugar bath, which isn't a great thing for your yeah, organs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and again, if you're looking to go all in on that in terms of really switching your diet, then work toward the Mediterranean diet. Increase your fruits, vegetable intake, uh, legumes, nuts, whole grains, those sorts of things. And uh, that's that's the ideal. But again, we're starting just saying, hey, I've got to start somewhere. I would say start with sodas. Try and reduce, and that that's a quick way to get a sh- your sugar intake down a lot. And if sodas aren't the issue, I think, so there's been some debate on the show, I remember, but one of my takeaways about nutrition is like this debate of, do you deny yourself or do you add? Do you subtract or do you <laughs> yeah. add, right? Like, do you try to eliminate the stuff that you think is bad or is it better just to go, you know what, every meal I'm going to try to eat a serving of vegetables. I'm not going to change anything else. Just going to add a serving of vegetables. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Some some people might do better at subtracting. Some people might do better at adding, but that would be another maybe next step. Like how right. can you add in some of those healthy things Dr. Madsen talked about just even once a day? Again, don't overwhelm yourself. So, yeah. All right. The hierarchy of health. We started with uh, activity. We moved to smoking and then uh, work on your nutrition, especially if you're drinking soda to get rid of that or add in something healthy. What's the next one? Uh, So I would say the next one is something we've talked a lot about this past year, and that is emotional health. You know, a lot of, I think you're going to get benefits to your emotional health as you do these other things, but the more you are able to improve your emotional health, that will then feed back into these other things you've already been working on and I think make you a lot more successful. And of course, there are the health benefits simply to improving your emotional health, you know, reducing symptoms of depression. Uh, but then that then feeds into more activity, better diet, and you're getting all the health benefits from those things as well. I want to try to nail down, what does that even mean then, improving your emotional health? Like what's what, what's a concrete thing a listener can do? Uh, well, certainly if you are suffering from severe depression or anxiety, I think it's worth talking to your primary care provider, being referred to a mental health professional. If you feel like maybe you're not at that point, there are certainly online resources We've talked a lot on our show about mindfulness and resilience and working on those sorts of things as well. So I think it's looking at your outlook on life, looking at the, um, you know, your general mood throughout the day, those sorts of things, and just saying, hey, where am I right now? Do I feel like things can be better? Okay, great. Do I need to get some additional help for this from outside individuals? Or is this something where we can engage in practices like we've talked about, like, gratitude journaling or um, box breathing or box breathing. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Those, those, those kind of strategies where maybe you don't, you don't feel like you're at the point where you need to go see a mental health professional. Mitch, do you have some thoughts on this? As I look at this list, you've, <sighs> you've overcome most of these. I know yeah, it's remarkable. Well, yeah. Overcome. Oh, really? It is all a process and I'm still yeah. working on it all. There um, you are. So emotional health. Ah, see, and that's just kind of it too, is that like, I, I, you know, I don't know if I 
am the everyman with that particular situation. Like we've come up, we have found some stuff with, we'll talk about it more this season, uh, a recent ADHD diagnosis that I got in adulthood, uh, a generalized anxiety disorder, et cetera. Like, I, you know, I was at a much different place than I think the average person just kind of like, you know, not feeling super great or wishing they, you know, were more, had a more positive outlook, et cetera. But I, I can tell you that like the first step, the very first step is always like either talking to someone you really trust about what's going on in your mind or talking to a doctor. You know, that's what started my whole line down it is I was at a physical checkup, you know, getting my yearly physical and I'm just like, you know, I'm not feeling right. You know, my brain is, you know, my thoughts are not what I want them to be. I'm tired all the time, et cetera. And they started, at least were able to give me resources and a direction to start. And, you know, that's, I really think that's where you need to start is talking to at least someone in your life, you know, get some perspective, whatever, someone you trust, or number two, talk to a doctor and the doctor should be able to help you in the right direction. And on the podcast, we do talk about all of these things we discuss, the core four and, uh, you know, even stuff like smoking or alcohol use, they're all interrelated, right? And they all can, Mm -hmm. they all point back to emotional health in one way, shape or form. Like for example, too much alcohol will make me anxious the next day. Yeah. Um, you know, so I, I, I think when you start improving some of these other things, some of that emotional health might start to improve. I have not found myself quite in the same situation as you, Mitch, where Mm -hmm. things such as just taking a 10 minute break during the day and just not consuming any media that sure. be another one like right try to eliminate social media that made a huge difference for me i limit it a lot more than i used to or just taking a break and just being there with your thoughts and just being in the, in the quiet can you know reset you for a little bit later so troy do you have anything you'd like to add to that or are we ready to move on to the next in the health hierarchy well, I'm so excited for the next one. I don't know. I, okay, this, this, well. this is the wild card. We're at the halfway oh. point. So this is the one you didn't suggest that I'm just okay. going to throw in. And this is one we just had an episode on, health screenings. Oh. So this is one where this is definitely going to make a difference on your health. We talked about colonoscopies. Certainly, if you're a woman listening to this show, mammograms, um, prostate cancer screening, something to discuss with your primary care provider. There has been a little bit of controversy in terms of prostate cancer screening, and we have talked about that on the show as well. But I would say health screenings and, you know, one of my wake-up calls was a cholesterol screen. To see my numbers in my 20s really was a wake-up call and then led me to make a lot of these other changes we've made. So it can certainly help to prevent disease. It can identify early disease in terms of cancer risk. And it can also potentially prompt you to make additional changes to avoid future disease. Right. Motivate you, which is another big part of this equation. Yep. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of us know the things we need to do, but sometimes we're just not motivated to do them until we get that little wake up call like you did with your cholesterol. I did with my uh, fasting, you know, glucose. So, yeah. Sure. Yeah. And that's one of the big things for me that really kind of changed the game is not just talking on the podcast. I think that was a huge part for me. It was just talking about my health was a big like first step for me. But actually like, you know, calling the number and being like, hey, what do I need to do to get a PCP? Right. Like, what do I need to do to get a primary care person? And just being able to like 
you know, have my primary contact with my health not be the Instacare or the emergency room, to have it be like someone who I see on a regular basis, who checks in, who I have enough of a relationship with that I can ask those like, oh, one more thing that I, you know, I'm curious about or I wonder about. Like, they're the people that have the know-how and the like specialty to help you, right? And if and if you're just kind of not, and you're just kind of struggling on your own, like, you know, getting that first set of screenings and starting that relationship with a PCP can really help with a lot of these. Exactly. And that's a big part of that too. It's the screenings and then it's having a primary care provider who you can go to with those questions and go to with emotional health issues. Um, Mm -hmm. Certainly with, they can have resources to quit smoking, all those things Mm -hmm. as well. The health hierarchy on who cares about men's health. What is the next one? If you could only work on one thing, we're getting pretty deep now. So I know this is getting tough here at the end. I, I feel like it's getting a little bit tougher to kind of slice these and, and, and rank them. But I'm going to say reducing alcohol use. So if you're at a moderate or high risk range in terms of alcohol use, reducing that alcohol use increases your future risk of cancer becomes a little tricky because certainly you've heard of studies where alcohol use at a a low range of alcohol use can reduce your risk of heart disease. That being said, uh, multiple, multiple societies have stated if you don't drink, don't start drinking alcohol to reduce your risk of heart disease because more and more of these studies are saying, well, reduces your heart disease risk, but even at a low level increases your risk of cancer. But bottom line is if you're drinking at a moderate to heavy range, work on reducing that at least down to a low level. That surprises me. Alcohol so low. I thought it would be right up there with smoking. Why is it so mid to low pack? Uh, great question, Scott. It became tough to rank these and that's probably why. So like the difference between these at this point might be just really negligible. It, I don't know. It's tough. Clearly smoking is a no brainer. I feel activity is a no brainer because so much follows. I feel emotional health. Once you address that, it's going to help all those other things. So we kind of hit the big guns there. I put alcohol down a little bit lower on the list. There certainly is cancer risk associated with alcohol. There's no question there are long-term risks associated with moderate to heavy use. Yeah. Like liver disease. What are some of the other diseases alcohol moderate to high use can cause? I mean, uh, potentially ending up in the ER and, and with you because yeah, of, of yeah, trauma. They're, yeah. They're, yeah, exactly. That's probably the number one thing I see is just the trauma associated with alcohol use. I mean, and, it can really impact somebody's emotional health. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that, again, becomes a challenge because there's so much interplay here and a big piece of emotional health may be alcohol use. And it may be as you address your emotional health that your alcohol use reduces. And we had one guest on the show who talked specifically about that, who talked about his alcohol use and how he then was able to address a lot of the underlying issues with anxiety and PTSD, a lot of what he experienced working for the fire department and then he found that his alcohol use reduction followed. So maybe that's mm. why I put it a little bit lower because I feel like if you're addressing some of these issues, sometimes the alcohol use is used to cope with anxiety or frustrations with your health. And as these other things improve, sure. I think in many cases, not all, but in many cases, the alcohol use may f- that may follow, yeah. the reduction may follow. I do know if I'm more active and I'm watching my nutrition, I tend to use less. Because yeah. I'm, I'm full and I, I don't want to. And I'm sure. also like, hey, I'm engaged in some activity, doing some healthy things, you know. So 
I'm going to just kind of not, not quit, but just, I'm just a little bit more moderate in my usage, I would say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you talked right. about how you go out on your back porch and you drink your tea now instead of drinking a beer and you, you're <laughs> and engaged in mindfulness there. And yeah. yeah and I also always had a rule. Uh, well, I didn't always have a rule. I developed a rule that I cannot have that after work drink or whatever until I've eaten a meal. Yeah, sure. I eat first. And that, that a lot of times then when I'm done, I don't feel like the beer, which is, yeah. is what I tend to want to drink. So exactly. Um, one more thing I think that's worth bringing up, even though we're building this hierarchy, I think it can be adjustable depending on what is your main issue that you need to deal with. Like maybe oh, nutrition sure. moves up higher because you have a lot of body weight that you need to lose that is threatening your health. You know, that inactivity would be the two things. So I think keep in mind that, you know, maybe this is flexible depending on the person's situation. And that's where a, a conversation with your doctor might occur. Exactly. Sure. All right, Troy, what's next on the hierarchy? He's got next. And I put this low on the list because it's something I just, I'm so bad at. So I just wanted to make it so it's not a high priority at sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it makes myself feel better because it's not that important because I put it low on the list. So it couldn't matter that much. But it is important. Uh, it is important. There's no question it's important. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, and, and again, I put it a little bit lower on the list because we're talking about priorities in terms of hierarchy and things to tackle before trying to tackle other things. But I feel like if you're addressing a lot of these other things, hopefully the sleep improvement follows. Not always the case. And Mitch, we've talked about yeah. your struggles with sleep and addressing all of these other things and just seeing the sleep not improve. But mm-hmm. I think the hope would be is if you're exercising more, you're eating better, mental health is, is improving that your sleep is going to improve as well. That's why I would just say, don't try and tackle that right off the bat. Mm, do I want to disagree? No, no, it's, it's accurate. He's right. <laughs> yeah. You can please disagree. <laughs> well, and that's no. kind of, that's no. where I'm at, where it's just <laughs> like, let me just tell you. Like, like, ER doctor. That was a test. That was a test, but you absolutely can disagree. <laughs> oh, I know. Please I know. do. I'm open to feedback. <laughs> no, but it, it is true. Like sleep was something I was concerned about, but it was lower on the list and it has improved with you know, getting some things figured out, but like, it was a lot worse when I was still smoking, when I was drinking every single night, when I was not getting any activity, like I had full blown insomnia, like it could not fall asleep, stayed up to like four or five in the morning and just kept going. And that, you know, once I got those other things figured out, I could at least fall asleep. Now the quality of the sleep, that's what I'm kind of working on now with my shaky legs, etc. But like, I went from not being able to fall asleep, feeling tired all the time to being able to fall asleep by inc- by increasing and improving some of those other aspects. So, but I guess it's a good question though. If you had started from the start and gone to see a sleep expert and had addressed the underlying sleep issues, do you think it would have been easier to quit smoking and easier to address mental health issues just because you felt more, just because you were more well rested? I don't know. I don't know. That's a that is a hard question. It is. Yeah. And there's uh, more research on that, Troy. <laughs> I don't know. There's probably something out there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it is mm-hmm. tough. I, again, in my mind, I feel like if you can address these other things, hopefully the sleep falls into place. I just think it's hard to to just say, I'm going to sleep and I'm going to sleep better and I'm going to improve my sleep hygiene, yet I'm smoking and I'm anxious and my diet is horrible. Sure. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm drinking a lot. You know, it's 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 <laughs> sure. it's hard to start with sleep. That's that's the way I thought about it. Yeah. So you're pointing something out. This is a hierarchy. You know, what should you focus on first? 
Um, but that do, that does not discount how important sleep is. Sure. Right? Oh, exactly. Sleep. We know good sleep, you know, definitely can reduce the chance of disease and has a lot of other health benefits. Just simply saying that try to take care of some of these other things first and hopefully sleep will take care of itself. If it doesn't, like with Mitch, then you need to kind of investigate why am I still not sleeping? You know, I, I tend to be doing these other things right. Exactly. So what can I do to improve that sleep? I look at this as a hierarchy, not in terms of what is the most important thing on this list to your health, but if you are just not doing, you just feel like I got to start somewhere. Got it. Where do you start? Yeah. I like that. Okay. All right. We're getting close to the end here. What's after sleep? We're getting there. We're getting there. Nagging health issues is next. So okay. once you've gotten through all these things, and again, you could argue, well, if I address that nagging health issue, I could exercise more, but I feel like you've started exercising, you're at least moving, you've got that short burst of activity, then maybe you increase to 30 minutes three times a week. And then as you address those nagging health issues, maybe they're orthopedic issues or just other things that have been on your mind that you've just wanted to get checked out, then I think it helps you get to the next level in terms of that activity or whatever these things may be holding back on the list in terms of what we've already talked about. Yeah. So the activity, you you would start doing some limited activity, but then if you find, wow, if I try to do 15, 20 minutes, my knee starts killing me and I just can't yeah. walk, then sure. to, to go to that next level of activity, you'd want to take a look at that, whatever nagging health issue you have. Exactly. Because Got I it. think it's rare that those nagging health issues would limit us so much that we can't just take the stairs, you know? So I, I don't think, but then I think as you get more active, then then you may need to address those just to be able to get to that 30 minutes three times a week or even even beyond that. But if, if it is getting in the way of activity, we know that activity is that one big thing. So maybe you might want to start addressing that health issue, which would probably involve some physical therapy, which is activity anyway, right? So sure. Exactly. Yeah. All right. And what's the very, is it, we're to the last one now, aren't we? We're to the last one. What's left? Genetics. Genetics Genet is left. Genetics. I just put it at the okay. bottom because I think genetics is more interesting. And that's, that's how I found it. I sure. found it more just fascinating. Like when I learned my family history of migraines, and this was after our episode on migraines that my oh, cousin really? contacted me. Yeah, we did our episode on migraines. Our, my cousin just happened upon the podcast and heard that episode and texted me and said, you know, our grandmother had migraines and she would refer to them as her sick headaches and that. her mother sure. had her headaches and referred to them as her sick headaches. And they would just have to go in a dark room and seclude themselves for a while. And, and then they would come mm. out, you know, back in the early 1900s, migraines were not, you know, it wasn't really, but, but it was funny to hear or interesting to hear that history. So sure. I find genetics more in, it can be certainly informative. Um, it can affect some of those health screenings we talked about if you have a strong family history of heart disease mm. or cancer. So it's it plays into that as well, and it will probably come up as you're looking into those health screenings. But if it hasn't come up at that point, I think beyond that, it it becomes, again, I think it becomes interesting and it helps you understand maybe a little bit better some of the challenges you're facing or have faced as you've addressed these other issues, but it's, it's certainly not something I would start with on start this, with. on this hierarchy. Yeah. Okay. All right. I am going to disagree with the doctor here. Go for it. So, please. For, <laughs> so, okay. So for me, 
this list, I literally liked work top to bottom, like with what you were talking about. Like I started with like getting a little more activity and realizing I couldn't breathe right. And so I got rid of smoking and I was like, so I went down the list, but it's that last bit of genetics that has like unlocked a lot of stuff in this last year, right? The chronically low um, testosterone in my family. All right. um, uh, ADHD diagnosis, which apparently is very much part of my family history, et cetera. Mm. There were a lot of pieces for me that not only fell in, but like, you know, like butterfly affected through everything else, but I didn't have that information. Yeah. And it's not necessarily something that came up in everyday routine screenings. Like I had to go to specialists. I had to, you know, whatever. Like I had checked, every, but but that's being, to be fair, like I checked everything off and then figured those out. But there is a part of it that like, if you know you have a history of something, like maybe, maybe go check that out, you know? Yeah. Like, because man, I wish not a day goes by these days that I'm like, I wish I knew this before. Sure. I wish I knew this first. Because man, oh man, like, I went through a lot of struggle and spent a lot of time that if I had known that this was a possibility in my genetics, if I had known, had a better family history, et cetera, like I could have skipped a lot of these steps. Hmm. Interesting. So do you wish you had known that like from the start and that would have helped guide your, your journey a little bit more? Yes. Uh, So we'll talk more when we do the ADHD episode, but like one of the things I'm finding and when I talk to my new psych specialist and everything who's working on it with me, uh, one of the first things they said is like, how, so how many times have you tried quitting smoking? And I'm like, uh, what? And it's, I didn't even bring that up. Right. I thought we were here to talk about how I have, I'm, I'm scatterbrained, whatever. And the response was, well, um, they actually, there is evidence and research that smoking and nicotine can be a used as a self-medication for undiagnosed ADHD people with dopamine deficiencies. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, so you're telling me that my because my brain's wired differently, it's harder for me to quit? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, I would have told mm. you to take Chantrix from the start. And it's just like, oh, oh, I had so many emotional breakdowns and everything. And it was all because, and you know, and I'm like reading these things, these very nice messages online about people sharing their own strategies. But I'm like, it's not that easy, y'all. And come to find out, it was actually because there was something wired up there differently. Yeah. So, so that's kind of the look back. Like, I'm glad you're right. Like when we're talking about like, you know, order of operations, biggest bang for your buck. But if you know that you have a family history of something, like I would just advocate for like maybe checking that out too. Yeah. I didn't know. I did no. not know. So it was the last thing on the list to check off. And it's been the most impactful in my health in the last that's year. That's interesting. So maybe, yeah, maybe that's a good starting point then of understanding your genetics more. I don't know. That might also speak to like, you know, we're making this list just as, as a general rule, right? Yes. And it's yeah, yeah. like some of the things you've been finding. And, and for many people, we, we don't know the numbers, obviously. This is one of those things I'm speculating on. For many people, going through this in this order very well might get them to the point they want to be. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Percentage of people, you included, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, you know, it, it, there was some other things going on that, 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 that you know, you weren't aware of. So Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's, and again, that's, that's kind of how I looked at it, that it maybe then helps you f- fine tune that focus where mm. you've already focused on some aspects of your mental health. And then you 
feel like you, you've made some progress and then you understand your genetics more. You're like, oh, wow. Okay. Now I understand better the challenges I faced in addressing yeah. that issue, which is kind yeah. of what you experienced. But mm-hmm. that being said, I totally get it. If you understood from the start. Yeah, I do too. The, the challenges not, with oh, addiction yeah, yeah. or whatever in your family, then it, it makes, I think it helps you in terms of being more patient with yourself as yeah. you're then trying to tackle those challenges for sure. Yeah. Well, I like, I'm going to like blow up this whole idea and say the number one thing you should probably start doing <laughs> is talking to one another about your health. <laughs> oh, there we like, go. There, we, there go, we go. Right. Like just talking about what's going on, talking yeah. to other guys, talking to your family. Like, I don't know. I think that that could be a really great first step. That is a great first step. That's not on the list. We should have put that on. Just start talking about your health first, and then you can start with some action after that. Troy, thanks for the hierarchy of health. I think this is a good roadmap for somebody to kind of go down, regardless of the place they are in their journey, if they've already uh, you know, implemented some activity, but they're smoking, then that would be a good next step. You know, Have you reduced those sodas? Can you introduce some uh, perhaps healthier choices into your diet? Are you looking at that emotional health? You get in the health screenings? watching the alcohol use, sleep, nagging health issues, and genetics. Um, so I think that's a very useful tool. Again, I'm going to iterate. Maybe that might change for you. Um, but it's mm-hmm. a starting point, right? And at least outlines some things as opposed to having it be all the choices. Now you have, <laughs> you know, you have a list, a small list of choices, and your instance might be a little bit different, and you might start somewhere else. This was a, this really good. Uh, any takeaways? Troy? I mean, you kind of walked us through it, so I don't know that you have any takeaways, but sometimes when you talk about this kind of stuff with other people, you know, you develop some new knowledge. So did you, did you get anything out of this or not really? (laughs) No, my takeaway is it was fun to think through it and fun to prioritize this, but I'm guessing if you had 10 different doctors do it, they'd all have different (laughs) orders on this. Oh, really? Okay. I'm no, I, I, I can't pretend to be an expert on this. And I, I think anyone is going to look at this list and depending on their specialty, and even their personal life and personal interests would maybe, you know, maybe someone else puts emotional health number one. And I'm sure we've had guests who would do that. So that's that's my takeaway. You may disagree. Please disagree. But I think it's a nice summary of so many things we've talked about on the show. And my again, I think the takeaway is decide where you want to start. Go for it. Start small work your way through these things and then revisit them and then continue to revisit them to improve in each area. Mitch, jump in with yours. I kind of tried to do all these at once like last year and like, or like the last couple of years. And you guys have on multiple occasions been like, Hey, like maybe that's too much. Are you not feeling overwhelmed, et cetera? And I was look like looking back, yeah. like, you know, prioritizing, taking small steps, improving one thing or another. I think, you know, just, take it from this one person who tried to fix all their health at one time. Like it was a lot. It was a lot and very, very overwhelming. Like find out what is the biggest impact on you and focus on that first and then, you know, go from there. In, in trying to make it simple, you know, sometimes it can make it complicated again, like, right. Cause we had a list of nine sure. different things. So I think my, my, my last thing and what's worked for me is just try to find maybe one of those things that you can sustain. And then make it part of your daily routine. And then, you know, and then try to move on to the next thing when you're feeling better. And if for whatever reason you're having difficulty trying to get that one thing, maybe try something else or figure out, well, why am I having a hard time trying this one thing? And then that will lead to another problem you can solve and just, you know, solve one of them at a time. And you don't have to make perfect progress on that one thing. 
Yeah. Just make no. some progress and then maybe try something else. And like Mitch said earlier, it's all a work in progress, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. It's not just something you can take for granted. It's not just something that happens unless you're actually paying attention to it, doing things actively or talking about it, uh, unfortunately. So, gentlemen, thank you very much for getting together for our weekly conversation. If you are listening, what's the one thing you're going to do? Pick one, try it. And if you want to let us know how it goes for you, you can reach out to us. Hello at thescoperadio.com. Thanks for listening and thanks for caring about men's health.